Hello everybody and welcome to the Kintsugi Hope podcast. My name is Jess Cooper and I'm here with the amazing author and ordinand Claude Jackson. Claude, it's great to have you here. Hi Jess, thank you so much for having me today. It's awesome. You're to be so here. welcome. Oh, so pleased to have you. So Claude, what does an average day in your life look like? Sure. Um, so currently as an ordinand, it means a lot of study. Um, so I start my day off with what's called the daily office which is time spent um, in either reflection, prayer, reading. It's devoted time. So for me, that often looks like it might be listening to worship music, uh, reading scripture personally, or listening to something like the Bible um, in one year. So that's how I start my days off, generally speaking. That's cool. What, do you have a favourite worship song at the moment? Um... My at the moment, my two favorite worship songs are um, 10,000 Reasons Mm, solid and and Oceans. Nice, another solid one. Yeah, old school, (laughs) old school. I love those two as well. And so, Claude, tell us so we can get to know you a little bit better. Tell us um, about a moment that shaped you in your life. Sure. So, um, the most life shaping moments I've had, um, probably was actually coming to faith um mm. that was the most because um a little backstory about myself is I, I i was a career criminal so i was selling drugs for 17 years um and encountered um jesus on an alpha course i, I had a life-changing moment on an alpha course wow. so was um yeah that was pretty traumatic and it was the most life-altering encounter or moment I've had up to that date um which really challenged me challenged my beliefs my outlook um my focuses it was really like impactful yeah wow why did it shape you so much what was that what did it what about it made you go I want to be different or look at life differently what was it what was it about that alpha course that changed your changed your life yeah I think up until that point I had been self-focused so it was all about me what I could achieve how far I could get um and that alpha um and the thought of Jesus learning more about who he was made me actually look from the inside out Mm. um, and put things into a different perspective and it was such an impactful moment it was almost undeniable that someone would was his life was all about others um and up until that point my life had all been been all about me and how I could benefit from others um so yeah it was it was challenging to say the least wow so how did you go from somebody who you described as a career criminal for a lot of your younger life to then walking into an alpha course like that doesn't just happen overnight does it no no Absolutely not. Um, Great question. I think, well, what had happened was I was a volunteer at my local council mentoring young offenders, actually, which is quite ironic considering what I was doing. And (laughs) the opportunity came up um, for we all had to go and do a team building day. And anybody, whether he was a volunteer or an employee for the council, we all had to go along. And it was while I went along on the team building day that I met another Christian 
and heard his testimony and what Jesus had done for his life. And um, again, I felt instantly challenged to find out more, just based on the fact that I thought I had conquered all of my fears up until that point. And this particular chap who shared his testimony had nothing that I had and everything that I wanted in, in regards to not only materialistically, but he seemed to have an inner confidence and an inner focus that I didn't have. Even though I had all the bravado and banter, I didn't have that secret confidence in myself. And um, that's what I spoke to him after. And he suggested I look up an alpha course. And if I'm honest, I went along um, almost expectant that I was going to beat them at their own game. And no one would say anything to me that would convince me um, otherwise. And I was going to prove to all of these Christians that their course was pointless and they were all crazy. Um, and it didn't quite go that way. So, <laughs> yeah. And I know you speak about that journey um, in your book, Guns to God. Um, where can people tell us a little bit about the book? Why did you write it? But where can also people hear more about your personal story? Sure. Awesome. Um, the book's available online. Um, if you Google me or the book, it will come up in various outlets or you could get it from SPCK, which is the publishers. Um, and the book came about actually while I was in therapy. Um, while I was still a drug dealer, I began writing um, as a form of therapy because uh, writing can be very therapeutic for some people. And actually, after a number of years, the book got shelved because it weren't. It didn't intend to be a book; it was a diary. And um, oh, wow. yeah, yeah, some years later, when I came to faith, um, somebody approached me and asked if I'd ever considered writing a book. And I said, well, funnily enough, I've got a few sort of diary scrapbooks laying around. Maybe we could use them. And we put them together. And after um, a short while of, of editing and whatnot, we managed to come up with the book and I finished it off. And that birthed Guns to God, which was wow. two life-changing moments, actually, um, life-shaping moments that I had encountered. So what was the other one then? The other one was when I was about six. Um, I, I actually, I'm one of six children. I'm the youngest wow. and I've got um, four brothers and one sister and one at a time, my brothers almost all led or lent into a life of crime. And my eldest brother was also a career criminal, predominantly in drugs and the retail and wholesale thereof. And it was, he moved out of the family home at a young age and he used to come back maybe once a month and whenever he came back, he'd always have a story of an adventure he'd been on um, or something he'd done. And we'd normally all gather together in the back room to listen to him telling these stories of, you know, exciting stories. And this particular time I went down to the back room, I noticed my siblings had disappeared and I went down to the back room to find out what all the fuss was about. And I discovered that they were handing around what appeared to be a, a black pistol, a handgun. And yeah. I, yeah, I forced myself into the group, um, you know, as the youngest, so I'm trying to get in around all the others. And eventually I protested that I get to, to hold it too. I wanted to look at it. And um, yeah, someone handed it to me. And, and actually at that point, I was really taken aback at 
the weight of the pistol and how cold the steel was. And even at that younger age, you're really aware that it was made for destruction. It was made for harm. Um, and, and to be honest, it totally glamorized the thought of crime to me. Mm. Um, having been around my brothers, being groomed into that lifestyle, the gun was confirmation for me that it was something I wanted to pursue. So at that younger age, that was a shape-shifting moment where I decided I'm going to pursue this um, from that younger age. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. What an incredible story. The fact that you've gone, how old were you in that moment that you were just talking about? With the handgun, I was around six years old. Six, gosh, that's so young. So, And how old were you when you walked into that church for the Alpha course? 32. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Wow. Thanks yeah. for sharing that. And um, I would encourage any of you that are listening or watching on YouTube to to check out Claude's book. It's incredible. Um, and yeah, we we wholly endorse it at Kintsugi Hope. So do go and check it out. Um, so Claude, we're gonna talk a little bit about disappointment and loss today. Um, what comes to mind when you hear the word disappointment? Yeah, I think the two go closely hand in hand. But I think disappointment actually is a part of life. It's unavoidable. And of course, when I hear the word disappointment, the more difficult times of my life is what comes to mind, which Mm -hmm. I think is natural. I think, like I said, I think disappointment is a part of life, although our human nature don't want to embrace it because it never comes with glory. It always accompanies failure or something like that, heartache. But yeah, um, disappointment that's interesting and have you have you ever had a moment where you've so I know this isn't necessarily something something we speak about loads in the church is is disappointment because I think well certainly when I went to church when I was a youth worker and I was training it was in our staff meetings if you shared something that was maybe not that great or something that week had gone wrong it was kind of like oh Jess how was your week oh well this thing happened like I don't know I failed one of my essays or one of my family members isn't isn't so well at the moment or I don't know whatever it is or my sink is leaking um no matter how trivial it was kind of the expectation was for you to go oh but God is good afterwards for you to go you know um we focus on what's positive. We focus on what God has given us rather than those things that disappoint us or that have let us down. But do you think there's actually a place for us to talk about disappointment within the church and within our faith communities, also just widely, like in the workplace, with our families, with our friends? Yeah, that's a great point. I think from a church standpoint, disappointment has to be spoken about um, because it is part of one's calling Uh, in regards to denying thyself comes with disappointment so it's, it's, it's part of one's calling I think what the issue arises when we look into the secular world and the social circle which most of us often have is it's not the cool thing to do um And we're all striving to be the best, whether one wants to admit it or not. And even many people unconsciously 
we are born into a world where more be- better is more mm. and more is better. Um, so we're conscious, like we're unconsciously or consciously striving for better and more. And to say that you're disappointed is admitting failure to some sort of level, isn't it? We're having to, and, and most of us don't even want to admit that to ourselves. So how can I admit it to my social circle? Exactly. Right. So it's there's definitely a place for it in church because I think as as Christians, part of our growth comes from uh, admitting we are not whole and we still have a lot of learning to do. I, oh gosh, I'm learning every day. Um, and socially, the battle is you know we want acceptance and no one ever wants to be the runt of the pack. Um, yeah. Exactly. And I know that this can sometimes, I don't know whether it would ever be seen as non-biblical or, but what, do you feel like you can be disappointed with God? Um, I know that that is probably quite a huge thing uh, for some people and some people would feel very comfortable with the concept of feeling disappointed with God. Um, But others would would say oh my gosh you can never be disappointed with God because God is the creator of all things only good things come from God um even if you're sad he's got a plan for you he's only got good things in in store for you um which for me personally kind of discounts the the fact that through life will be through trials right so we will encounter stuff that is not necessarily good um and we have to be, I, me personally, I have to be okay with coming to God and going, you know what, God, I'm a bit, I'm a bit, I feel a little bit let down by you right now. Um, where are you? Like the Bible is full of times where people are disappointed because they've lost things because like Job, for example, the whole book of Job is him just going, God, where are you? Like, why have you left me? Why is my life completely ruined now? Um so do, how do you feel about that? Yeah, again, that's such a good point, Jess. I think there's a load of theology tied up in this answer. Mm. And I'm probably not the greatest theologian to answer all of I that. doubt that, being as your, your <laughs> an ordinant clause. I feel like you've got something to say. <laughs> I'm just a mere student. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's a, that's a wonderful point you've made. And I think... Um, is it okay if we break that up? Is it okay to feel disappointed at God? Yes, we're human beings. Um, necessarily, is that the right approach? Who knows? Because um, there's a lot of theology behind it. However, I think the issue lies in um, things are the way they are, but we imagine them to be different. And therefore, a lot of our disappointment comes from what we had imagined and perceived things to be and then when one has been praying for that job um or whatever the case may be and you get it and then it's not as good as you thought it was all of a sudden the blame becomes God's and we often turn to God and say why did you let me get into this position God and we take no accountability ourselves So again, it comes like at the top of the conversation, like I said, I had spent a lifetime looking outwardly and pointing my finger at everybody else. But when we point our fingers at everybody else, there's often three fingers pointing back at us. 
So we have to sometimes look in. And I think for me, a lot of it has been staying present um, and look daily renewal, you know, that the Bible speaks of. And we, we have to remind ourselves where our values lie as Christians. It's not externally, it's internally. So some, one of the mantras I have is God made me because he loves me and he loves me because he made me and God doesn't make mistakes. Mm -hmm. So I then become responsible for my ambition. So if one, if one wants to strive for more, then one has to take responsibility for that. Um, and then we look into ourselves and be able to put things in perspective and put things in the present rather than where our imagination wants things to be. Mm -hmm. I think that's really helpful about knowing what you want, asking God for his will, then striving for that. And I think you're right. We do often pass a buck, um, whether that's onto God or whether that's onto other people. Um, and maybe part of dealing with disappointment in a healthy way is when the initial fiery sadness dies away is about reflecting and looking inwards and going, right, what's my, what was my part to play in this, in this not going the way I thought it was going to go? Yeah. Um, you know, I think that it's about being self-aware. A lot of these topics that we, we talk about that are slightly difficult um and disappointment being one of them is about us also having that self-awareness so we can go um okay why am I disappointed about that um is that because um I thought it was going to be the answer to all my problems is that because I thought I was going to become who I was meant to be is it because I thought that was something that God said and maybe he didn't is it what like why um I think it's always good to ask why isn't it um that's cool. So how do we cope when, so I know there's been times in my life where I've just felt like God was completely silent. Like, so we're kind of switching gears here and looking at a little bit more like of loss. Mm. So like when we lose things, like I think in COVID, a lot of us have lost um, maybe even loved ones. We've lost the chance to celebrate with friends. We've lost, um, you know, holidays or anniversaries or whatever it is or opportunities maybe we've lost jobs um how do we cope with that loss that pain that comes with losing something um have you got any advice well um these are these are some great questions Jess <laughs> um so I think again I think you're absolutely right I think it's about being present and it's about being honest with ourselves. So I think, actually, I think life's all about loss. And I think uh, how we respond to it. Mm. So, you know, we, like, like you said, we might lose that job. We might, we might uh, lose our position in, in, in uh, the company, what we so badly wanted. We might lose that relationship. You know, we lose our vigor, we lose our figure eventually we lose our teeth we lose some of us lose our hair and you know ultimately we lose our lives and um I think there has to be an assurity in one's identity that 
this time on, on earth is only seasonal. And actually, what the goal needs to be heavenly immortality. As Christians, um, we're called to be in the world, not of the world. And I understand there's a thin line between the two. And I struggle to walk it every day. But the reality is that's what we're called to be in the world and not of the world. But we put too much value, as do I, in the worldly things. And we forget that the end goal is heavenly immortality. And this is a marathon, it's not a sprint. So I think, I, I don't know, there's a couple of areas I've broken this into, down into for me as a reminder. And if I can touch on those three areas, I think the first one is um, who you are. Just check in with yourself, like I said, and just remind yourself when you're in that bad place that, that God does love you. Otherwise, he wouldn't have made you. Mm -hmm. um, and he made you because he loves you, because we don't invest in things that we're not interested in. So he's done that and, and, and he doesn't make mistakes. And then the other part is where you are. So be present. And, and we say that. So I'm present. Yeah, I get it. Today's the day. No, it might mean hourly. It might mean be present hourly. How are you feeling? And, you know, own that. Own your feelings. Be kind on yourself. Why do we all have this sort of mentality, or at least I do, that um, weakness is failure? Mm -hmm. We're human. Hey, we're flesh and bones. Where if I'm having a bad day, it's I'm having a bad day. So try to be kind on yourself. And finally, I think why you are. And what I mean is why are you in the predicament you're in? And there's an analogy of um, a catapult, if you can use that. As. The setback is often a set up for projection forwards. Mm -hmm. So um, we need to take a surety that seasonally, I believe God made things seasonally, um, and we need to take a surety that just like nature, in the winter or the autumn when they drop leaves and everything's dormant, they don't freak out and panic. No. Because they have that assurity that come spring, they'll bloom again. And just like a catapult to go forwards, it has to go back. So I think when we're in the valley, um, it's to rest assured that we are preparing this is a season of preparation. It's not the end because we're still here. Um, it's only a season of preparation. And the, the preparation is victory. So that's what we're preparing for. But I understand it's, it's really difficult in, in those times. Mm, I think just to build on that analogy, like, like you said, the valley, like I think it's really good to remind ourselves that like he's with us when we walk through the valley, like we're not on our own. And I think we can often associate God with someone who's waiting for us on that mountaintop or waiting on waiting on top of the hill, ready to celebrate with us when things are great. And then when things start to go bad again, he leaves us. But actually, that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, he walks back down the hill with us into the valley and he trudges up the hill back to the next celebration moment. And like I think for me, that's always been a real source of comfort um and 
to picture God doing that everyday, everyday journey. Um, I love what you said about being present because I think we do, we chuck that phrase around, but um, sometimes looking after ourselves in that moment where experiencing disappointment and loss is just about being in the minute or being in the moment. Um, I know for me, when I've lost loved ones and family, um, even fairly recently, it's just about going, I don't know how I'm going to get through today. Um, but I do know that I can get through this moment and that moment might be messy. I might throw a plate at the wall or I might cry, but that's okay. And then I'll get through the next moment and then I'll get through the next moment and then I'll get through the next moment. And it's just, I think I really liked what you said there. That's really, really helpful. So when we look at disappointment, loss, where does hope come into all of this? Because hope is one of those things we chuck around um, and, you know, I hope you get better. I hope you get that job. I hope you um, have a good holiday. But I believe the hope we have as Christians or anyone of faith um, is much more grounded in something more secure than a fleeting a fleeting well wish um so what does hope mean to you and how does it fit into this topic we've explored today yeah I mean uh yeah again it's a, it's a great question and just to, before we move on to hope I'd love to elaborate just on what you said about sure. um, times because like rest assured here's half of the problem one never wants to feel like they can relate so like guess what to the viewers, you know, who are listening. Uh, Jess and I have been through very difficult times. We're two individuals, but we've had similar issues in loss and bereavement and grieving. And man, I cried so much when I lost my mum that I lost count of how many days I cried, honestly. But, and it's terribly sad, but we're human. So like, let's bring light to these moments, bring light to the darkness, bring Christ to the darkness. And like you said, Jess, which is so important that he, God, like, just to echo what you said, people think he meets us at the top of the mountain and he's with us climbing it. That's That was, you know, really great and a reminder for myself. And I think the hope comes from that. So the hope is the catapult moment. The hope is reminding ourselves that daily renewal, what the Bible speaks of, that the, the phoenix rose from the ashes, um, which is beautiful because God speaks about I will be your shield. I think it's in John, he says, um, be still and I will fight for you. Hmm. I often remind myself of that because imagine during those difficult times, God is asking us for nothing more than to be still, to be present and just trust that he is fighting for us. And there's been times, many a time in my life that I've really had no other choice other than to be still and trust that whether I've wanted to or not, I've been like, God, please, you know, you, this one's on you because I, I've got no more. The tank's empty. And um, I, I've reached a season where I do believe uh, the setback is set up for projection. And um, now I've almost, I've almost conditioned myself to be positive and excited about what the future holds because this is only seasonal. Guess what? The winter doesn't last forever. And, you know, um, the spring comes after winter and 
The rainbows come after the rain. And it's a surety that God is not leaving us in the valley. Mm. So while I'm there, I, yeah, I tried to be present and, and I tried to find hope in knowing this is only a passing moment. Mm. Wow. Thank you, Claude. And even in your story, like I was just looking again at the the words behind you, like um, guns to God, like God's been with you in that two moment in the middle, like the two's in the middle of the guns and the God, and he's been with you there. Yeah, absolutely. And what's amazing is we all know the salvation of Christ that he died for us. But sometimes we need to remind ourselves that he returned too. So he returned from the tomb. So he didn't leave us. He didn't die and leave us. He returned to us and he's going to return again. Those brighter days are going to come back. But life is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Mm. Like you said, he was with me, not only in the, in the God, he was with me in the guns. And as controversial as that sounds, those who've been through darker times will know what I mean. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I just wonder whether quickly, as well as, prayer like those things that you mentioned at the beginning are there any like practical things that get you through those moments where you're struggling or maybe you're having a bad day or like you said you're experiencing deep grief or disappointment are there any like practical things that you found helpful yeah I think um one has to be honest with themselves so one thing I do like to do is walk I like the outdoors I like um greenery things like that so what I do in times when I, I don't feel like praying mm. or I don't feel like reading scripture um I go out and, I, and I, I feed myself on those sort of areas and before I know it or one thing I do like is the seaside I go to Brighton a lot and before I know it I'm, I'm looking at the sea and I'm in awe of God's amazing creation and it's a practical way of not being um lawful and saying we have to pray or we have to read the bible it's just bringing us back to a moment so what, what i'm trying to say but i'm beating about the bush is <laughs> when one's feeling low or whatever maybe get out for a walk maybe get out into the greenery the countryside or the seaside or whatever it is that you find enjoyable and hopefully he'll meet you there so yeah just be kind to yourself and be realistic in, in what your practicalities look like, I think. Mm. And like, that's really important, actually, like not comparing your success to somebody else's success, because that can lead to disappointment too, can't it? Like, oh, that person's life looks amazing because such and such and such. But actually, what does your life, what can you practically achieve right now in this moment, in right. this particular season you're in? your level of success might not be the same um, as them because that's just not practically achievable right now. And then we're not setting ourselves up for disappointment, are we? So just, and, um, and how about like my success is going to look different to your success because we're made individually and uniquely. So even if we've done exactly the same thing and ran exactly the same race, guess what? We're going to finish it at two different times. So I'll finish last. I would definitely finish well, last. Well, I don't know. I think you'll finish before <laughs> me. <laughs> I'm very unfair. <laughs> so maybe the analogy of running isn't the best. But the awesome thing is we all get to finish the race. And we just, I think it's great. That's a great point just to just really stop looking next door at what's happening with the neighbors or what your best friend's doing and you know just just try to focus and be present Mm, 
Wow. Thanks so much, Claude. It's been absolutely amazing to chat to you. Thank you. Honestly, I I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thanks so much. Oh, good. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Kintsuki Hope podcast. Um, If you've enjoyed today's episode, then please do like, share, subscribe, um, pop it on your story, uh, let a friend know um, and spread the word. Thanks so much.